in the early church, when the church was growing, there were believers that were coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the church was growing because of those individuals acknowledging their commitment to the Lord. Do you not know that it was in Antioch, I believe Syria, where the first believers were called Christians? And I want you to know something. That Christians, the name didn't come about because Christians called themselves Christians. It, it came about because non-believers called them Christians. It, it, it was the people that said and looked and said, those individuals are acting just like that person Christ, and they said they are Christians. <laughs> and so it was unbelievers who saw the fruit and the evidence, and in fact, they were making mockery and called them Christians. But the name Christians were, was, was developed by those in Antioch by unbelievers because of what they saw. So you can't tell me that your lifestyle doesn't make a difference. You can tell me a lot of things, but it's how you live as well. Does your lips match your life? That's right. Hello. <laughs> Those that are married, so we're in a pandemic now, but in the early days, they're saying, I just love my wife so much, I'm never going to work. She says, don't love me that much. Go go to work. Go, go get a job. <laughs> Please. <laughs> All right. Let me call, see if we can get Mother Simmons on the line. And while I'm calling, if you can turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 3 through 8. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we're grateful to you today for all that you have done, how you have blessed us and strengthened us and kept us and keep us. We pray that you will give us the ears to hear the word of God. We are mindful that hearing comes from the word. Our faith comes from hearing the word of God. And we thank you today that you have given us this tremendous opportunity to hear and to be able to receive in order that we may walk out the message that you have given we do love you, and we thank you for your goodness and righteousness and give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Right before I read, I was coming back from Mount Array. Um, we go every year, and coming back from Mount Array, and I decided I'm going to come back Highway 1. We came 101, and so go through Santa Cruz, and then 17, and then hit 85 to go to 280. Well, on my way back, I took the exit and then took another highway, and, and I said, huh, this doesn't look familiar. I'm going the wrong way. I want to be on 280, heading south, and I was heading north. And I just knew, it. I said, this is not right, so let me get back. And so I said, oh, well, I'm just going to connect here and go back 101. Well, thank God that he took me that direction. During this pandemic and these, this time, you realize that restroom, bathrooms, they're not open like they used to be all over the place. 280 has no bathrooms. The Lord knows that I needed to go to Target twice. <laughs> 
And so I realized that what was my mistake was not God's mistake. And we look at things very sometimes, oh, that's just coincidence. God is concerned with every aspect of your life. Then on Friday, coming back from Sacramento, my sister Frida rode down as we went to Benny Hunter's funeral. Evelyn and Benny, many of you may know from years ago, many of you do not, do not know. They were members here for, here for years, and Benny was killed in an accident back on December 21st. So we went down and, um, to the service. And on the way back, we took 80, and I normally take 12. I'm just talking, and I realized that I'm on a road that, I sh- that I'm saying it should not be two lanes right now. It should be about four lanes. I took another wrong turn. <laughs> and I'm just talking and just driving. And it dawned on me after about a mile, I said, this is not the right way. I'm on six, eight, no, no, let me turn around. And my sister said, well, you don't know if the Lord kept you possibly from an accident. And I said, yes, you're absolutely right. So what sometimes we may see as mistakes, the Lord sometimes divinely intervenes in our life because there are things that we do not see that he keeps us from. Now, this is not my message. I'm just laying this out for you all. So do not be so quick to complain and get upset when things at times seem to go wrong. Because you just don't know what the Lord may be keeping you from. So be very, very careful. In your Bibles, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 through 8, this is how it reads. 1 Timothy 6, 3 through 8. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil, suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. As a title for this message I have given, Don't Let Greed Overtake You. Don't let greed overtake you. And this will be part one. Attachments are made early in life. Some attachments are good and some are just plain detrimental. Be careful of what you attach yourself to and to whom. In the animal world, every zebra's stripes are different, even though from a distance to us they may look exactly the same. When a young zebra is born, the zebra parent, the mom, will stand in front of that zebra so that it sees no other stripes but that parent's stripes, so that it follows nothing else. Why? Because that zebra's baby, that little zebra, is dependent upon the parent for its early survival. First introductions are critical in life. They're critical in the healthy development of the young, and when even young Christians 
are starting out in their faith, they must be very careful to whom they get attached, even within the church, unfortunately. There are some people that just have a different agenda. And so our first point that we will deal with today is attach yourself to soundness. Got that word right in our text. Attach yourself to soundness. If you have been following us in our series that we have started, we are coming to the conclusion of 1 Timothy chapter 1, and there are two what we call epistles, two letters of Timothy, 1st and 2nd Timothy, and they are called the pastoral letters that includes Titus. Timothy and Titus includes what's called the pastoral letters. Now this is the third time that the Apostle Paul, who was writing to Timothy, as Paul was in Macedonia on his way, told Timothy, I want you to stay in Ephesus. And this is the third time that he is now telling him to deal with false teachers. The first time you come to that is in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 11, and then 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. Paul says that if there are teachers, if anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ, that word sound is actually a medical term. And what Paul does, he takes that medical term sound and attaches it to the teaching of the Christian walk. That's why I gave the title or gave this first point, attach yourself to soundness. There are some children, if you're not careful, when they're growing up, they will attach themselves to just anybody because they don't know the dangers involved. My son Quinlan was one that would stay right next to us when we were in the stores. My wife would go to the store. He was right there. My daughter Sherelle was not that type. The moment she entered the store, it meant for her it was time to go explore when her mom's back was turned. You look around and says, where is Sherelle? There's Quinlan, but Sherelle is nowhere to be seen. Where did that little girl go? She's off exploring. The problem became such to where we had to get a little cord, a leash. (laughs) On one end, she had a little strap that she had to put her hand through. And my wife had one put her through. That's the moment she tried to go. Uh -uh -uh Uh-uh-uh-uh, she can't go too far. She is now tethered to her mom by that cord. Why? Because she didn't understand the dangers of going and attaching herself to something else because she didn't know what might happen. You see, in the church, we have to be very careful that when we're starting out that we attach ourselves to the right ones. And Paul says, Timothy, make sure that those that are in the church are attaching themselves to sound doctrine. We'll let the motorcycles go by. That's one of the beauties of being outside. You can hear every sound, dogs barking, birds chirping, motorcycles going by. (laughs) Okay, now. (laughs) If my child was considering 
going off, she was hampered now by the attachment of the cord. Paul says that there are some people right now that's attaching themselves to a different doctrine and it is not sound. And so he says, Timothy, if anyone teaches a different doctrine, if anyone teaches anything different from that which Jesus Christ has given us and that which ties to a firm foundation of our relationship with the Almighty, if they teach anything different, that person is puffed up and conceited. Young Christians coming to the Lord are very, very vulnerable. And if they're in the hands of just the right people, they can be, they can be managed and manipulated. They're called, what I'm saying is very malleable. When in psychology we use that word malleable, it deals with something that can be changed, molded. And until a person gets some foundation, they have to be guarded. Why? Because they oftentimes don't know truth. And so one has to be careful of what they are fed. So Paul tells Timothy, this medical term, they must be tied to that which is sound. He says they are conceited, puffed up, those that teach falsehood. The idea in the verse that we see that word conceit, you'll find that word again back in first, still in first Timothy chapter three, verse number six. The idea in this verse is that they have pursued wrong teaching and doctrine to the detriment of their mental health. Many of you may not realize and know that during this pandemic, that there have been a lot of different things that's been happening to the psyche of individuals. In my field, in various ones, and people are having struggles. Why? Because God made us to be interactive beings, to be able to speak with and to be able to gather with individuals. And children especially are dealing with difficulties because they're not used to being isolated to the degree that they are. I was going to share some stats, but I'm not going to actually do that at this time. I don't feel like I want to do that, that I was just came to me that I was going to share, but I'm feeling led by the Holy Spirit not to share that piece right now. So I'm going to obey. So Paul says they are conceited. Now he gives three things, deals with conceit, They lack knowledge, and they love controversy. That word proud, conceited, proud, conceited, the word literally means to be wrapped up in smoke. (laughs) Yeah, person, you're just blowing a lot of smoke. (laughs) We say that about people, you know, you're just blowing a lot of smoke. You ain't got to listen to anything they have to say. So Timothy is... To recognize that Paul says, Timothy, these individuals really are puffed up. And the thing that they're puffed up with, the conceit, it's not a smoke. It's nothing there. You can see Paul's anger rising because in the church in Ephesus, those that were teaching falsehood had infiltrated and they were making such an impact in the church that it was causing the faith of some of the individuals to be shaken, and to actually 
be, they were being turned aside. And Paul's anger is building as he gives all these names, as he describes to Timothy, what's happening. He says they're depraved in mind, and he says they are then also deprived of the truth. The constant controversy of falseness without truth cannot lead to a good outcome. If you are always having to deal with controversy and you have no truth, there's not a lot of good that can come out of that. If there is no filter for truth, it will cause chaos and and disruption, which was a problem in Ephesus. One of the wonderful things about the word of God is that he tells you to go check it out. Now, I've told you this before. If you are under any teaching, even in school, and they tell you just take my word and don't go check it out, don't listen. Go check it out. If I'm saying something that ain't right, go check it out. You should be encouraged to go check out truth. Today we live in a cancel culture that will cancel you if you talk truth. They don't like truth, falsehood. And the Bible says that that would happen in Peter's, that people would be having people around them only wanting to hear what their itching ears want to hear. It's a danger when we have truth and we don't want to abide or even tolerate. I tell you, they used to have debates, and I don't even know it's the same. Those in law school, they would have debates and mock trials to who has the best argument? Today you come up with different points of view. They're willing, they want to just take you out. In the Bible, in these days, the same thing was happening. Don't think that you are living at a time when this was not even happening before. It did. What do you think happened with Christ? I've told you this just recently. We're dealing with this right now in Bible study on Wednesday. We're in the 11th chapter of John, and we're dealing with Lazarus. We're just beginning this. I'm going to give something away before we even get to the part <laughs> that we're dealing with. I'm just jumps to my mind right now. It's not in my sermon notes, but I feel like I need to say this. When the Lord raised Lazarus from the dead, it proved that he was God, first of all. And the way that he did, and we're, we're dealing with that, and we're going step by step and looking at that. But the thing I want you to understand Lazarus, Martha, and Mary, brother and sisters, were loved by Jesus. They had a special relationship with him. And when Lazarus was on his sickbed, Jesus didn't come. He waited. And when he did come, Lazarus had already died. And he knew it. He let him die. Jumping ahead, when he did raise Lazarus from the dead... And that news spread like wildfire. You will discover a short time later when Jesus is going to be heading to the cross, when he's about to go to the cross that week before. Do you not know that because of Jesus' popularity and the fact of him, him healing Lazarus and raising him from the dead, they had already wanted to get rid of Jesus. They said, let's also kill Lazarus because it's because of him that all these people are following him. Lazarus hadn't done anything. A miracle had been performed. But the cancel culture said, let's get rid of him. Because we don't like Jesus. So back there, it was a play. And the Lord says, my 
goodness. He didn't say that. That's my words. <laughs> Controversy. Truth. Lies. Paul is having to deal with a very serious matter here. And he's telling Timothy, I know you're young. I know you're timid. I know your stomach is turning. I know you have ulcers, Timothy. But Timothy, don't you let this go unchecked. Deal with it. So one of the problems that Timothy now is going to have to face head on is materialism. As, as, as Paul has dealt with this matter, as we dealt with and looked at last time about slavery and the history and what actually, what the difference is, it was not like we think about it today. We have a America, an American in the United States idea of slavery. That was not the case back in the B.C.'s and early on. Whole different situation. I can't go through that again right now. Paul leaves that conversation and now comes back to the topic that he's dealing with with Timothy and these religious leaders. And as he's drawing this matter out and as he's bringing it to the, to the forefront, the issue that these leaders, one of the main problems they were dealing with was materialism. And they thought that the ministry, they thought that what they were doing in peddling this would allow them to get rich and gain some wealth. There were preachers and those that were going around from place to place, not only causing havoc, but they then were ripping individuals off. And so Paul says it right out, many of them are dealing with this matter of materialism. One thing is very clear, the false teachers were not godly, and as a result, there was no commitment. Their unrest and unsettledness caused them to be on the complete opposite end of the virtues that Paul is calling Timothy to employ. In the book of Psalms, and Psalm 37, verses 3 through 5, it says this, as he tells Timothy, look at this, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and be, listen to this, and befriend faithfulness. Attach yourself to faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord. And look at what he says. If you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. Paul is telling Timothy, he said, Timothy, godliness with contentment is great gain. You see, these other religious leaders, based on what they were teaching, they weren't content. But Timothy said, the Timothy was told by Paul, Timothy, godliness with contentment is great gain. In the book of Job, Job 1.21, who was very rich, a man God, God blessed him, well, the wealthiest man, when he lost everything, God did restore. He said this, and he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord. Paul deals with life's necessities. Huh. says that when you leave here, your reward, actually, Timothy, is going to be something that God is going to give you. We hear these, these words oftentimes, this old world is not my home. Huh. 
at the end of time, God is going to actually reward those who belong to him. Verse number six to eight, and I'll close with this. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have, if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. What, what is he saying? He is saying that if I have the basics of life, the, just the basics, as a Christian, if that's all I have, he says, I've learned to be content even with that. Paul even said at one point, I've learned to live with plenty. There's sometimes when my life was just overflowing. And there were other days where I didn't know what I was going to do. Paul says, I've learned to be content in any and every situation. My niece Tanika, very bright, had for two years, was trying to find a job and didn't know what was going on. Had gone to school, just couldn't find work. It was a season the Lord was taking her through. There are times to where we don't know how we're going to make it. But we have to remember this. Godliness with contentment is great gain. When you don't know what you're going to do, we have to look to God who is our source and our strength. Paul is concluding and telling him, Timothy, don't allow greed to be the thing that you go after. Stop the teachers whose main focus is materialism. They are peddling lies. They are drawing people away. They think that the gospel is a means to gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. I'm going to stop there for today. Pick up with point two next week and part two as we deal with this passage. Right where you are, I want to pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful today. Even through this pandemic, even through all the things, we can still be faithful in our attachments. Watching who we attach ourselves to, thoughts that we attach ourselves to, remembering that, yes, you are still in control. That we need to attach ourselves to sound doctrine. We must be mindful That, Lord, we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out. We need to trust you. Help us during this time where we can literally see, Lord, the difficulties that many are in and ourselves. And yet you have shown yourself faithful to this church, your people, individuals. And for that, we're grateful. We have the word of God. We have the grace, the love, and the mercy of the King. And for that, we are saying thank you. You've shown yourself. You've proven yourself. The fact that you care for us. Help us to remember that this old world is not our home. <laughs> we are looking forward and uh, to the day when we are with you in your presence. And we're thankful that you have provided for us. For those that are, Lord, dealing with difficulties, Lord, physically, mentally, spiritually. We pray that the covering and the love of God will be upon the lives of individuals. Each of us have our own areas that we go through. But God, you are faithful and you are awesome. And for that, we love you. We thank you right now for your goodness and your love. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.